This is an ABC podcast. The thing that gave me a, a window into Adam's soul was 2015 during the Ashes. We were working like dogs. Jeff Lemon knows fellow cricket writer commentator Adam Collins intimately, and Adam is passionate. He doesn't like cricket. He, well, you know. I think he had to write about three pieces that night. So we're sitting there, it's kind of two or three in the morning opposite each other at the kitchen table, kind of trying not to nod off. And I notice he's sort of typing and looking really intense. And I say, what are you, what are you working on? And he goes, oh, tap, 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 coming down to the pointy end of an auction. Tap, 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 tap. What do you mean? On, on eBay? Yeah, on eBay. What are you trying to buy? I'm buying a pair of Mark Wars pants. Tap, 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 tap. One day, international uniform trousers signed by Mark War from 1996, and I'm going to get them. You are not going to get Mark War's pants from me. I have played this game before, my friend. (laughs) And then he lost the pants, outbid at the last second, and he was distraught, devastated, absolutely furious. Four in the morning, livid in London, pantsless. Three articles yet to write. I doubt if I've ever seen the Sydney group in better condition than it is the surface itself. Hi, I'm Miyuki Ranta, and today on Earshot, the story of an odd couple brought together by their love for cricket. Their passion for analysing the game led them to sleeping on floors and working stupid hours. But in 2018, their career took a surprising turn. With just a couple of credit cards, they bought the official radio rights to broadcast and commentate an international test series. Along the way, they learned their craft on a lounge chair, challenged the cricket elite and risk a house deposit. Mike Williams has the story. Now Hemmings around the wicket. He bowls and Taylor's hit on the pad. How was that? That must be close. He's given him out. He didn't play. Cricket was a form of babysitting for Adam Collins. Turn a game on and leave him alone for the day and he was happy. I went to the first ever one day international in the Great Southern Stand, so that would have been December 91. He thinks like Brett Lee bowled, fast, flat white with one, short back and sides. At the dinner interval, there was a food fight. People in Bay 13, what was the old Bay 13, were piffing pieces of fruit around and I got whacked on the side of the face by an orange. That would have been the second game of cricket that I went to. Sport defined Adam growing up in southeast Melbourne. And when I say sport, that includes politics. I viewed politics as a kid. I viewed it as very red team, blue team. I sort of barracked for the Labor Party, I suppose. In his late teens, he joined the party, eventually got a job with a local member. And when Labor came back into power, he ended up working as a media advisor for the Prime Minister. I was getting up at half past three in the morning, uh, meeting the truck as it arrived from Sydney with the newspapers on it, scouring them with a highlighter. And at 5.15, my job was to brief uh, a whole range of uh, senior people about what was uh, going to be driving the the media agenda that day. And I was doing that when I was 23. It was uh, was just the most exhilarating experience in, in that first year of government. By the end of his 20s, the Labor reign was ending. It was time to give politics a rest. He had a brief stint in the super industry, but deep down, his love for cricket was calling. Adam needed to call the cricket. He just had to figure out how to make the career jump. The Yang to Adam's Ying is a sweet bloke with the bitter name, Jeff Lemon. To be honest, I never really had a career plan, and I probably still don't. (laughs) No collar, no hair gel, no razor, no worries. While Adam was a media flack, finessing the big stories of the day, Jeff was doing his best to rip back the curtain, writing a politics blog. Didn't hold back um, 
about the government during those years, I can tell you. Yeah, Jeff was uh, a, quite a provocative blogger. A lot of bomb throwing, uh, not a lot of actual acquiring of dollars and cents. He took his time studying history and English at uni, and that's where he found poetry. It's a way to convey emotion to people much more directly. And if it's got something to say that connects with people, bang, gets them and gets them right there. Jeff's extremely gifted at expressing himself. He's probably been the smartest kid in the room his whole life. And South Africa now poised at the brink of an unforgettable victory. Jeff's first cricket memory was that famous 99 World Cup semi-final. Watching this at three in the morning and, and sort of just lost in absolute delirium and like maybe a few other influences as well, given we're about 16. Three balls left, one to win. Fleming in and bowls. Klusner hits back past the bowler. There's a mix-up. Oh, there could be a run-out. There will be a run-out. Oh. Australia is in the final. It was an early experience of just how euphoric sport could be and how shared that euphoria could be. While Jeff and Adam didn't know each other growing up, their lives shared the same soundtrack, cricket on the radio. And it's what would eventually bring them together. For me, radio is cricket. That's how I fell for cricket. In goes Ratnaker, he bowls to Boone and Boone drives. This will be the first test. You let people into your space with the radio, whereas with television, you've got to make an active decision to move into like usually a communal area. Matthew Hayden is delighted and well he might because this is a very, very... The more exotic the country, the closer they held their radio. That's when I felt that was a lifeline, that those guys in that commentary team were transporting me. And there was a degree of rapture in the commentary box, if not somewhere around Australia, but not here at the ground, when they realised Tendulkar is out. I would hide the radio so that in the middle of the night I could turn on the ABC and listen to what was going on from England. Well, yes, and it gives the Australians two bites of the cherry, so to speak. They can... Cricket works on the radio because there's time. Time to tell a story over a session or a day or, or five days. Most sports are too fast-paced for that. War bowls to... Bowls. He him all over the place. He had a huge swing. And I think that's partially why we feel these deep connections to these personalities that we feel like they're, they're part of our lives, not the other way around. Hearing a radio description, if it's done well, lets you see the game in your own imagination. It's often said, the pitches are better on the radio. So there was a real emotive connection with that. And so... What then made me get into commentary the first time was in 2013 when Australia was about to go to India to play a test series and the ABC had to pull out because the Indian Cricket Board had boosted the cost of the rights and it just wasn't financially feasible to go. That pissed a lot of people off, not least me. Well, hang on, this is bullshit. I would have said stuff along the lines of, isn't this in the ABC Charter? It may not be in the ABC Charter, by the way, but I would have cited things like that, you know. And I was devastated. Someone has to do it. What do you mean no one's doing it? Someone has to do it. So that's when I said, well, we'll do it ourselves. Jeff put together a ragtag team of mates, friends from his cricket club or down the pub or wherever. They'd watch the game on TV and live stream their commentary over the internet, pirate radio style. They eventually called it White Line Wireless. You're on Whiteline Wireless. I'm Dan Toomey calling with you at the moment. Sri Lanka, one for 25 this year. And it was rustic. You know, it was streaming it on 
Google Hangouts. In his living room in in the Davy Street in Brunswick, where he used to live for eighty bucks a week in the in the house owned by the Freemasons. God knows how many people drifted in and out of that house over the years. Sometimes the door would be open. If not, you just go to the couch on the porch and reach into a book of poetry and on a page there was the key. Andrew Dono Donison was one of those people to wander in. He was a friend of Adam's from Canberra. Whatever you're imagining as a share, that's exactly what it is. Sit down on these very uncomfortable couches and away you go. Dono loved it. And he was naturally drawn to the logistics, how they put it together. I just decided at the end of probably the second day, I'd help pack up. And whilst I was helping pack it up, I'd ask, oh, so, okay, hang on. So what's plugged in here? What's plugged in there? Where does that lead to? Right, okay. He also got into producing. I got a little rush whenever they would actually read out a bizarre random stat that I had found. So I really enjoyed that side of it as well as the calling. Adam had been dreaming about doing the exact same thing, setting up an unofficial radio broadcast where no one else was willing to cover international tours. After he heard what Jeff had done, he had to introduce himself on Twitter. Congratulations on what you've done. Like, we should talk. And then later that year, Australia were playing in the UAE uh, against Pakistan, and he decided to do it again. So I came in to his house to be one of his commentators. Barreled in, he's like, you know, clap of the hands, all right, let's get to it. And we were like, yeah, this is good. You know, this guy can stay. Not long after that, Adam started freelancing as a cricket writer. He began to bump into Jeff at games. He was doing the same. And it very quickly developed into a a symbiotic relationship, you'd call it, where we look out for each other. From that point forward, we started collaborating strategically about where we would stay, about pooling our resources, about how we would get around England in the 2015 Ashes series and so forth. And by the end of that England summer, we were doing the podcast, we were hassling editors together, we were harassing the ABC. When you're constantly on the road and and you're not being supported by um, an organisation, having that sort of moral support makes a big difference to being able to get through it. Jeff's been there for me, and I hope me for him. Jeff's described us as uh, as platonic life partners. We're a pretty set group, the press pack in cricket. We all know each other very well. To see those two come in from the outside at first, the old dogs go, well, you know, what do they even do? But they sort of somehow managed to create a living out of their love of cricket. Peter Layla is a cricket writer for The Australian. He says Jeff and Adam brought the gig economy to cricket. Line here is swatted over long on again. Straight to us, straight to us. Oh, 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 <laughs> I've now got the ball in my hand. Logging, podcasts, pieces to camera and commentating. They made it work. People should look up a photograph of them just to see Colo's hair compared to Lemon's hair. Colo is very neat, isn't he? Lemon's hair has never seen a comb. I don't reckon there's been a comb in three generations of Lemon's hair. I reckon that Lemo's actually slept in scoreboards, and I've seen him attempt to sleep in a press box overnight. He denies it. These two are, they're just everywhere. They're at every game of cricket, and they've got this incredible energy for cricket, and they've created an industry around themselves, and good on them. One outlet they do work for is The Guardian. In 2015, Jeff sent them a three and a half thousand word critical analysis of Channel 9's blokey cricket commentary. It's my understanding that you dropped some pineapple on a barbecue chicken pizza the other night, morning. I did too. 
absolutely sensational. Well, I think when Jeff's 100, uh, Jeff won't be 100. I think when uh, Jeff's uh, an older man than he is right now, they will still be talking about that piece. It was a deep-seated belief, and I reckon he'd been keeping notes for years on this stuff. What's your favourite pizzas? My mind's got to be a ham and pineapple. You don't want to get too fancy. That Overall, I'd say the state of cricket commentary was stale and it was stagnant, completely male. One of the points I've made in the article is that almost every commentator who I've talked about has the potential to be really good. Has Get some chilli on me. Done good commentary at times, but was being allowed in this particular circumstance to be self-indulgent and to, be, to lapse into sort of club room stuff, which is the danger when you've got... Half a dozen blokes have all been on the same cricket team. <laughs> Wash it down with a little frothy. Knock about Aussie blokes having some banter. Maybe like the public wants to hear cricket commentators calling the cricket. Tell you what, I'll be looking for a pizza tonight, that's for sure. All this talk. Smash one. Seven for 278. So when we published it, it, it exploded. Bang! It got him right here. It just struck this remarkable nerve. I mean, I'm not exaggerating by saying it had millions of reads. Millions. It was a brave piece of journalism and uh, I know he got a lot of noses out of joint. A broadcast with too many blokes? Hmm, I wonder what that'd sound like. Yeah. In early 2018, Jeff and Adam's radical cricket adventures led them to South Africa. It was here that Australian cricket was changed forever. This is the umpires. Uh, having a chat to Cameron Bancroft. Yeah, I think they're asking about what he had in his pocket. It's been a bitterly fought and controversial test with ugly abuse from spectators and players. I know I'll regret this for the rest of my life. I saw an opportunity to potentially use some use some tape, get some granules. There were a lot of big stories that went on, but nothing like that. It's a very sad day for Australian cricket. September 11, Princess Diana, Wayne Carey and ball tampering. They're the four biggest individual stories of my lifetime. 24 hours on, it's still utterly bewildering. What on earth was the Australian cricket leadership group thinking when it plotted to cheat in South Africa? The Australian players got to a point of, of not caring how it was that they might win. They just wanted to win. I speak for, for all Australians in saying how shocked and disappointed we all are. It, it honestly... The Australian men's cricket team have been around for longer than Australia. They've been um, something we've defined ourselves by in some way since the start of our country. To see the way my old man's been. <laughs> and <laughs> Thanks, everybody. And my mum, it hurts. So after South Africa, everybody knew the next test match Australia was going to play would be in Dubai in October. The first series with Tim Payne as the full-time captain, it was the first series with the new ethos saying that this Australian team is going to be different. So there was a lot on the line in terms of seeing how they would respond after all that had happened since Cape Town in March. Despite this, no Australian radio station was set to broadcast it. Once again, Jeff and Adam wanted to do something about that. But this time, they wanted to bring it to a bigger audience. We'd been talking about buying rights to a series for years because when we were doing it for White Line Wireless, we would often say, well, you know, it'd be good to go, it'd be good to do it properly. Not in a lounge room, buy the official rights. We were having this discussion and he was saying, maybe I'll just do it, maybe I'll just do it myself, maybe I'll just, just put it down. And I was like, mate, don't dig yourself into a hole. We'll take a bit more time, you know, wait a minute. Then I went away for a weekend of camping. And when I got back into phone range, Adam said, I bought the rights. And I went, f***. 
And I, I just shook my head. I'm like, who thinks like that? The Australian's Pete Layla couldn't believe Adam had done it. Good luck to you, mate. And he said, well, you know, if I do it, will you help? I said, yeah, happy to help. You know, I'd volunteer. But I never thought he'd pull it off. That is a somewhat ballsy concept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't dispute that. I'm not going to be sort of unnecessarily humble about that point. Like, <laughs> at some stage, I was always going to do this. Adam had found an entrepreneurial streak he didn't know existed. His vast experience freelancing, his political contacts and apprenticeship in Jeff's living room put him in a unique position to believe if they had the shot, him and Jeff could pull this off. And then the money side was the punt. Like The money side was the risk. I'd, I'd sold um, an apartment with my family earlier in the year. You know, had this gone belly up, you know, that, that would have been that gone. So um, I was playing with essentially a house deposit. Because we were in now. Jeff had secretly decided if it didn't work out, he'd help chip in to cover costs. We were in it together, as, as always. Did anyone from any circle tell you that they didn't think it could work? I don't think they really had time. <laughs> <laughs> they had about three weeks to work everything out. Then began utter chaos. I don't think I've ever been under so much pressure in my, uh, in, it was certainly in this industry, maybe in, uh, maybe in politics there, there were days. Um, I don't even know where to start, Mike. A three-step guide to live broadcasting an international test series over the internet. Step one, pull a team together. What we were really determined to do was present the public with a broadcast that they could feel close to in the way that we had felt close to broadcast growing up. Like we wanted this to be the program that we dreamed of putting together. Seven for 193 and, and the turning point to help make that a reality was an old friend. We met on a Hawthorne football club internet forum. Deep sport enthusiast, follows everything. I don't know what sort of help I can possibly offer, but that sort of story is something that you can tell for forever. Andrew Dono Donison, who had wandered into the White Line Wireless Sharehouse, was now wandering into Dubai to engineer and produce an international test series. His mate needed a hand. And Jeff's gone, hang on, you're serious, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, yeah. How long would you need? And he sent back, say, 17 hours. And I was like, okay. I haven't factored that in, in the budgeting process. And he's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'll just come. I'll be your producer. I'm like, you're kidding. And he insisted. On the way to the airport, he dropped by JB Hi-Fi for some extra gear. Actually, it wasn't until I was 13,000 kilometres in the air heading to Dubai. I was going, what am I doing? As well as Dono, Adam lined up a cracking cast of commentators, Brendan Julian, Bazid Khan, and of course, this mate, Peter Layla. Getting radio to air overseas is always a problem. This brings us to part two, figure out the tech. Not long after he bought the rights, Adam was asked, What's your server? What server are you using? I'm like, excuse me, what server? What, 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 what? What's my what? Um, he goes, well, you need server space to make sure that your broadcast won't drop out. I'm like, shit, I didn't know about this. I don't think Google Hangouts was going to cut it. And this is expensive. So that was day one, realising that we didn't have that. But they navigated every challenge, like in the second test, when they were hit with something unexpected. In Abu Dhabi, the internet just kept on dropping out. And it just wouldn't bloody work. It kept dropping out after 10 seconds each time. We're like, 
why is this happening? I had a mobile phone that we could use in you know, extreme circumstances. Oh, but- international test cricket match. Sponsorships worth thousands of dollars. Streaming to thousands of people around the world. The yep. backup plan is hot spotting off your phone. Yep. Long story short is that you're not allowed to stream in, in Abu Dhabi. They used a VPN to hide their location, which itself is illegal. So it was all kind of a a bit of a daisy chain situation, but we got there in the end. The irony of you guys having to essentially do the broadcast as a pirate radio station when you've worked so hard to buy the rights (laughs) and do it legit is very funny. Part three, sponsorship. This was how they'd make money, by selling ads or live reads brought to you by Da Da Da. Then the scrap began. Almost 24 hours a day, I was hunting commercial partners and I vaguely knew how to do it. But, you know, trying to explain to organisations, you know, quite big deal, serious organisations, right, I'm just a guy who's bought this thing and I want you to come on board and give me quite a fair bit of money to sponsor me. Um, You don't know me, but here's my background and hopefully you'll support. Like, that's a fairly daunting conversation to have. Not all of the sponsorship was sold by the time Adam left for the first test. But ready or not, this was happening. Good morning, welcome to Dubai International Cricket Stadium and to Wisdom.com Test Match Cricket for the first time as we broadcast the first test between Pakistan and Australia. I'm Adam Collins and I have sitting by my side Jeff Lemon and the news we can report from the middle is that Pakistan have won the toss and unsurprisingly on this blisteringly hot morning have elected to bat first. Good morning Jeff. Good morning Adam and absolutely. I actually walked in to do the first shift and before the mics came up, Colo just said, can I please have a hug? <laughs> Once we sort of ticked off all those milestones and the nerves dissipated and we were just doing our thing and we knew that the broadcast worked, the technical side of it was working, it was reaching where it needed to reach, we were able to put together a broadcast that people wouldn't just sort of listen to because it was the only option, but they would tune into by choice. They'll run the first one hard, will I come back for his 100th run? They will! A race down to the bowlers, and he makes it comfortably at mum, which means that Hafiz moves to his 10th test century. By the second day, any glitches had been ironed out. The team was flying. And this Pakistan team against Australia, they're like the Hydra. You chop off one head and another couple rise in their place. The big scores keep coming. But some sad news from home was about to come their way. It became apparent during the first test that, that Pete's old man was dying um, imminently and, and he wouldn't be able to get home um, before he was going to pass away. Mick, my dad, had act- he was the man who introduced me to cricket. He was a cricketer and, you know. Did you uh, have reservations about doing these overseas trips when your dad's so sick? Uh, yeah. Oh, my dad had been sick for a long time, so he was going to die. Yeah. You know, one of the things like with being a cricket writer is you go overseas, there's always anxiety at home. There's always something you're worried about, you know, and so... Um, in the end, you just go. Pete, in the middle session, came on with me and told the story of when Mick took him to his first test match at the MCG as a young boy. That was essentially um, Pete's farewell to his father. Then for them to have the transistor radio on by the bed as they had their whole life, and it was me calling the cricket and being able to say goodbye to my dad. Yeah, I can't think of a better way short of being there than to sort of be part of somebody's final hours on earth. Talking about cricket, I think Dad would have liked that. Mm. When he was back there in Bendigo, pulling the pin, that was, that was appropriate. It reinforced for us how important the game is. You know, I say that cricket doesn't matter and, and it doesn't. 
the results don't matter, but the game matters because it's something that that creates that bond, and that bond between Pete and his dad was, was something that was so strongly expressed through cricket. Pete went home for the funeral. Meanwhile, in the cricket, Australia was getting smashed. Pakistan were dominating, ahead by 500 runs, with over a day and a half to go. Dubai, extreme heat and a pitch that's starting to turn, facing one of the best leg spinners in the world. No Smith, no Warner, and the scorn of the Australian public. This is the scene. Australia stepped up to the crease, knowing a win was highly unlikely. They'd barely managed two sessions in the first inning, so there was no way they were going to bat five sessions at the end of a test match. It just wasn't going to happen. So they didn't have time to get the runs. But if they managed to stay in, if they didn't get out, by the end of the fifth day, it'd be a draw. The draw is its salvaging something. It's refusing to be beaten. Literally the only thing you have to do is not get out something beautiful about that. One player in particular stepped up. Physical pressure, batting in 40 degree heat, he'll be losing a lot of weight. He's still going. Usman Khawaja scores his 100th run and after all his travails in Asia, his troubles away from home and his struggles against spin, he has made a century in conditions comprising all three of those former problems. 141 runs from 302 balls. All up, he batted for eight hours and 44 minutes. I have no doubt it'll be the great innings of his career, but it's one of the great innings of Australian cricket. It's one of the great innings of any cricket. It's no one had batted for longer to draw a test match except Michael Atherton. But with 10 overs to go, Usman got out. There was a collapse. Everyone in the cricket world wants to know what's happening in this test match and suddenly our numbers go through the roof. People knew something special was happening here. You know, it made me very grateful that we spent the extra money on the server, put it that way. Let's do it in balls, Jeff. 35 to go. 35 balls to go. No Australian side has ever faced 146 ball overs to survive a test match before. Um, there's a reason why it doesn't happen. Wisdom.com, test match cricket as my voice nearly gives way. There was more to this than simply the test match they were trying to preserve and save. This was an opportunity to give the Australian people a chance to be proud of them again. And they did it. This is one of the greatest escapes in the history of Test cricket. After five full days of play, nobody won. God, I love cricket. Australia somehow have done it. 362 for eight. They basically both just collapsed to their knees, arms around each other, and it was just, it was pure exhaustion. It's getting harder and harder to go on cricket tours. Sports coverage, like cricket coverage, needs people like Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins to find new ways to do it and to make it pay. One of Adam's proudest moments was when the final sponsor came through. Dono was getting a cheque in the mail. Everyone got paid. It just makes me have the biggest smile. I'm proud of it. We did a bloody good job. And it wasn't just the hard work at the time. The fact that we were able to get on there and call that match well was because we trained ourselves to do cricket commentary. No one gave us a cadetship, you know. We built a radio station in my living room and we called enough cricket that we got good at it. Even if Jeff and I never got the chance to broadcast another ball of cricket in our lives, and that could happen, we know that we did this and we know that it was special, um, that it meant something to people and, and it meant a lot to us. And all of it's about democratising cricket. We're not the first to have that idea. We're just carrying on that idea that cricket belongs to everybody. What I hope it will mean is that philosophical shift will be made. 
that Test Series will be considered important enough for the Australian team to have covered by somebody. Part of something, part of something new, part of something bold, and we couldn't have done this without him. Thank you so much to Andrew Donison, Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon, signing off from Dubai International Sports Family. Yeah, I'm and uh, now they will go down as the man has got cutting Ball by Bloody Ball was produced by Mike Williams. The sound engineer was Tim Jenkins. For more on Jeff and Adam's adventures, check out their podcast, The Final Word. I'm Miyuki Okiranta, and I'll catch you next time with another Earshot. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.